Welcome back to 5 to 1 Podcast. I am your host, Audie. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting me. I am now found on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcast, Anchor. I have a promo video that's out there that's going to be dropping soon, and it gives you all the the uh, outlets that I'm going to be on. But I really, really appreciate the support, really appreciate my listeners. Now, if you tuned into last episode, it was an hour and 59 minutes long. It was because I had a special guest, B.A. Lewandowski. He talked about his um, his experiences in the movie industry, how, you know, as, as being an editor, producer, writer, uh, and a director of movies. Two of my favorite ones, Skeletons in the Closet and High on the Hog. But anyway, it was rather long. I'm sorry. I know it's hard to listen to someone. Or two people talk for an hour and 59 minutes. But it's something that you can listen for, you know, the first half and then go back later and listen to it again. So I highly suggest you head over there and listen to it. Some really good content. Uh, really good episode. Like I said before in my first podcast, I'm going to try to keep my solo casts, like what this one is, down to 15 to 30 minutes. And then any guest to an hour to two hours. So moving forward, thank you for the support. Thank you for tuning in. Today's subject is going to be on Jim Jones and Jamestown. Before I get started, don't hold me or don't quote me on some of this stuff. Now, it's stuff that I already knew, and it's stuff that I've already researched, but there's there's more story to it than what I'm going to tell you. This is just kind of like a bits and pieces. Kind of bring it back to light. I feel like today's generation needs... A little history lesson this 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 new generation needs to be aware of some of the tragic events that America endured during uh, the hard times but that's here nor there so I'll, I'll like I said I'll talk about Jim Jones I'm gonna talk about Jamestown and I'll probably touch a little bit on today's generation now I said before that I I don't want this podcast to be uh, I guess driven around politics and religion if that makes any sense now this story or this information that I'm going to talk about this episode. It is going to be politics and religion driven as a person, as Jim Jones as a person. It's the two formulas, I believe, that pushed him over the edge, uh, along with ego and drugs. Now, you've made it two minutes and 45 seconds with me. Thank you. Let's get started. I know I'm going to go on talking and rambling. But let's get into this. First of all, let's let's find out who Jim Jones were, was. Now, Jim Jones' real full name is James Warren Jones. He was born May 13th, 1931. And he killed himself like a little bitch in November 18th of 1978. He was an American civil rights preacher, a faith healer, and a cult leader. <laughs> Imagine that. Who conspired with his inner circle to direct a mass suicide. And mass murder of his followers in some jungle commune in, in Jonestown, Guyana. <laughs> now, he was uh, he launched the People's Temple in Indiana during the 1950s as Reverend Jones was ordained in 1956 by the Independent Assemblies of God and in 1964 by the Disciples of Christ. He moved into or he moved his congregation to California in 1965 and gained and gained notary with his 
activities in San Francisco in the 1970s. And then he left the United States, bringing many of his members to Guyana Jungle Commune. Now, with that being said, Jim Jones was a very, a very handsome person growing up. Well, as he was younger, uh, I don't want to say growing up, but he was very, he, he brought a lot to the table with his, his powerful speeches. Uh, he was not an ugly man by no means. And that's, that's how he had a lot of charisma about him. And when he spoke, uh, he, he brought, he brought it to the table. He wasn't silent. What he said he meant. I believe when he first started his, his, uh, I don't, I don't want to call it a cult in the beginning. I guess his church, when he started it, the reasoning behind, behind why he started it was, uh, to bring unity to, at that time, the people uh, of the 50s and 60s, you know, was, it was going through a hard, it was a hard time for America with the divide of the black and white people. Um, and he tried to bring it together. And I, I think when he first started off, I think he, he meant well, but I think his ego and drugs led him to do what he did. And I think the power went to his head. But when when he first started off, he he was he he was one of the first Rainbow Family. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, a Rainbow Family is basically a family that has, that has mixed races in it. He had a black son. He had uh, he adopted an Asian boy. So it wasn't just the normal family back in the day. Black or I'm sorry, white wife, white husband, white kids. He had an inner you know, mix of races within his family. But like I said, he, he, he tried to do good, tried to unite people in his day. So I, I think, I think when he first started off preaching religion, uh, and, and coming up, I think he had good intentions. I really do. But I think a lot of the other stuff kind of went to his head that, and he was got on drugs and did some other crazy stuff. But anyway, it's kind of a backstory on Jim Jones. He was an activist coming up, and he was tired of what what was going on in American society. Hence, why he basically grew his following, and from all the uh, the heat he was getting from, I guess the media, society in general, on what he was trying to do and what he was about, he moved his cult or his following, his people. To the jungles of Guyana. <laughs> and that's where I think he just lost his mind. Now we all know that. Prior to 9-11. Uh, the Jonestown massacre. Was the largest. Massive loss of American lives. In the United States history. The massacre which was led by. Cult leader Jim Jones. Um, led over 900 men. Women and children to their deaths. That is wild. This made uh, Charles Manson's mass murders. Was like child's play. Uh, I don't think Manson didn't hold a candle to what Jim Jones did. Horrible, horrible incident. Now, I remember in school, they kind of touched on this subject. They didn't really, uh, we didn't really have like a week long of this tragic event, but it was mentioned in school. I do remember it. I remember the tragic event, you know, uh, Jonestown and basically the basics on what happened. Uh, I do give my my generation at that time credit on that that they were actually teaching us things like that in school and not worried about other things and I'll touch on that later when I start getting into the new generation but anyway 
Uh, the master became more known for being the source of the phrase drink the Kool-Aid due to the use of cyanine-laced Kool-Aid that was used to kill off cult members. Um, it was also, it, and it also became known as a warning of what could happen <laughs> when you join a cult. So don't join a cult and drink the Kool-Aid. And with that being said, I, I do plan on doing a podcast episode on Heaven's Gate, another cult following. Not so much religion, well, it was religion, religion driven, but it was out there. Uh, that's another episode. I'll get into that later. But don't join a cult and don't drink the Kool-Aid. That's what I always say. <laughs> uh, most people who have, have read the True Crown books about Jim Jones believe that they know all the facts about James or Jonestown. But there's always more to the story than what the people know. Like I said in this podcast, this is just stuff that I've researched and learned. Uh, a lot of it don't quote me to it because it could be different sources that say different things. But this is my perspective. This is my outlook and my research episode. Uh, but there are some of the scarier facts about this tragedy that most people do not know. And, and there is. There is a lot of there's a lot of other crazy facts about this. Now we all know the kind of touch back on uh Jim Jones himself. He he grew up uh grew up in Indiana. I'm trying to think of the name. Uh I'm trying to think of the name of the thing. What was the name of that town? But anyway, he grew up in uh Indiana. I'll it'll come back to me. I'll remember that town's name in a minute. <laughs> he grew up in Indiana. His father was a World War, World War One veteran, so he grew up in some hard times, especially with the economic uh, depression and stuff like that happening in like the 30s, the 40s, all the way up to the 50s, and a little bit in the 60s too. Uh, it was hard for him and his family, I guess, and and he wanted to make a difference, uh, and that's I believe that's what tried to drive him into uniting the black and white community. Which, like I said before, he I think he had all good intentions, but I just feel like the drugs and uh, and the ego, the power trip, went to his head. That's that's what I think. And he was all about human rights uh, and and just joining people together. I think I think had he have stayed in the United States, I don't think he would have done what he did. But that. That's my opinion. I think he got out to the jungle and lost his shit. That and the drugs. But anyway, um, we'll talk more on the People's Temple. Uh, the People's Temple was actually a very highly regarded progressive church. A lot of people want to believe that cults are always extreme right-wing churches or that they were fringed movements, but this is not true, and Jim Jones' church proved it. <laughs> The People's Temple was, was uh, as it was called, the People's Temple, and was known for being very progressive in its views and for having well over 2,000 members when it was stationed in the United States. Prior to the massacre, the People's Temple had a lot of friends in high society. These included local politicians, ministers, and a number of businessmen and, and even government uh, employees. No one would have uh, guessed they would have become one of the most uh, sadistic cults of the 20th century. You know, that, that is wild if you think about it. You know, you're going to this church on Sunday, and the next thing you know, you've done moved your family in a jungle, and then you're drinking Kool-Aid. It's kind of wild. Um, through California, it was known for the New Age cults, 
at the time of the People's Temple. Jim Jones was not a cult leader of that breed. Uh, no, the People's Temple was strictly Pentecostal with, uh, with an evilistic like twist to it. It's wild. Jim Jones had had several sons. I believe he actually had a biological son, one of the ones that he didn't uh, adopt. I believe his name was Stephen Jones, and he was one of the many children that was fathered by Jim Jones. He openly admitted that his father was sick and, in fact, regularly argued with his father when he was alive. Now, I know there's a documentary on that. You can find that on YouTube somewhere about him talking about his father and how crazy his father was. Now, don't... With that being said, now, Jim Jones was not the only crazy person in in Jonestown. Now, he his 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 leaders, I guess you could say, uh, were just as crazy as he was and would follow and do anything he said. But they they were also just as crazy. Um, can't blame it all on all on him, but he didn't do it by himself. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, uh, Jim when Jim Jones ordered ordered the mass execution of his followers followers uh, believe his son escaped escaped by driving off claiming to look for others oddly enough Stephen Jones believed that the women close to Jim Jones were also partially responsible for the death tolls as well uh, meaning that they were holding children down and forcefully putting this side on poisoning into him at the time that he ordered everybody to drink the Kool-Aid because uh, there was a lot of people that that uh, not all people went willingly. Uh, they were held down. The kids they were injected with it. It's a very, very sadistic and sad story, especially when it involves children. And that's, I have a soft spot for kids. Um, and just knowing there was over 200-something children killed that day blows my mind. Uh, it blew Jim Jones' mind, too, when he shot himself in the head. Uh, good for him. He's such a, a coward. He should have drank the Kool-Aid, too. But anyway... Like I said, not all the people were willing to go. The common misconception about Jim Jones and the and the Jonestown massacre is that all the cult cultists immediately killed themselves at Jones' uh, command, but this wasn't true. Many of the people uh, protested at the idea of suicide, including one woman named Christine, who pointed out that kids deserved better than to die a short life. She and others were sh were shouted down onto uh, eventually as well, and. The, the the cult's devout followers were both killers and the killed in many of the situations. So, like I said, even some of the followers were just as crazy. And those who refused to drink found themselves dying when others shot them in the head or poisoned them by injecting them with the poison. Now, see, that goes back to what I said earlier. The ones that willingly didn't want to die uh, were, were, were killed off by a bullet or held down like the children were. Those were uh, those who were found still uh, to have a heartbeat were shot by members who went around with stethoscopes. Ste stethoscopes. Only one person in the camp survived the massacre, and she survived by hiding under her bed. Now, now a lot also fled into the woods uh, at the time that the the poison drinking was ordered, and I believe they later found found them alive, but. One that actually survived the massacre on ground at the uh, the temple, I guess you could say, was uh, hiding under her bed. Good for her. I don't know if she's still alive today, but I would I would like to sit down with her and talk to her. I think that would be a crazy conversation. Now, the reason that he moved this cult to uh, 
uh, Guyana was that a lot of he was catching a lot of flack in the United States at what he was trying to do. Like I said, a lot of civil rights movements, uh, you know, the black and white divide. And he was catching a lot of flack for that. So he felt the need to just to move his following out to the jungles of Guyana, where it was a commune uh, where they grew their own. They grew their own. Uh, vegetables and they worked and did their own things which later on basically became a, a slave camp <laughs> these people were forced to do this they made it seem all like fine and dandy over the media because the because you know they would send reporters there and they'd basically bullshit them on how much they're happy he brainwashed those people that's what he did he brainwashed them and then these reporters would report back to the United States, and it was like, oh, it's fine and dandy over there. Let's leave them alone. But uh, it was later on, I believe, I think it was, I can't remember off the top of my head if it was California's governor or Indiana's governor. Anyway, he wasn't buying it. Uh, he actually flew out with a crew to try to rescue some of these people that were basically being held against their will. And I believe he was shot along with some of his members at the airport trying to leave. Jim Jones ordered them to be killed, and I believe they were shot. And that was the same day that he ordered everybody to drink the Kool-Aid as well. Um, but I'll move forward on that. But like I said, some of the survivors actually wit witnessed actual the suicide, and then they actually witnessed uh, some people going around with stethoscopes killing them. Those were that were not dead which blows my mind uh, all survivors who actually witnessed the entire mass suicide explained that the first person who died weren't adults but were children Jim Jones told the mothers to kill the children first um, that's wild how how can you be a a disciple a known a well-known proclaimed disciple of God this this crazy son of a bitch wanted his people to call him father or or Jesus himself or something like that. Um, blows my mind, and and that's where I think he lost connection with his faith. Uh, is once he moved them all out there and power tripping and uh, the drugs, you know, I think he he disconnected from Jesus himself and lost his mind. I felt like he was God himself. And I think that's what went to his head as well. Uh, and I think that's what drove, well, it drove him to do what he did, but I, I believe he did it because if if he couldn't have it his way, then no one could have it. You know what I mean? I think that's what he what he did. Uh, but he, he ordered the mothers to kill the children first, which blows my mind. And, if all, and after all, if parents kill their own children, chances are uh, they wouldn't last to live much longer either. So basically... If if you've seen these parents or if you're there and they're killing their own kids, they're pretty much going to kill themselves is basically what it's saying. Oh, that's wild. I I can never, never think about even hurting a child or my own kid. It, it, blew, it blows my mind on how powerful someone can be and lead so many people just by a voice. Um, and we have people like that today, like, well, Charles Manson back in the day led a cult. You know, he tells somebody to kill somebody and they did it. It's It blows my mind on how powerful uh, people have, or, or I guess positions that they have. Um, basically, and, and and it being religion and pol politics, or something of that matter, driven. Uh, it's very dangerous. 
cults happen when that happens. <laughs> it's not surprising to hear that uh, back then, you know, that the CIA, the CIA and FBI studied Jonestown to find out uh, more about it and what it was about. Find out about uh, Jim Jones and and basically they were they were monitoring him in a sense and and then they needed to because a lot of these families were reporting uh to police CIA FBI these government agencies like hey my 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 mom and dad are over there and they're being held against their will uh, and they they can't come back and I I want to see my family um uh, and a lot, he caught a lot of flack for that a lot of people were like, hey, you know, I don't want to be part of this anymore. I just want to leave. And there was a lot of people held there, too. It was like a camp. Like I said, it was like a prison camp. Um, a lot of people wanted to defect from Jonestown before the massacre, but were stopped. They wanted to leave, but he wouldn't let them. It's wild. Um, and it takes a lot of skill. That, that goes back. To, it takes a lot of skill to, to convince over 900 people to kill themselves or to be killed for a cause. Uh, that kind of that kind of skill could be weaponized by groups like the FBI or CIA. So that's that's what I was talking about earlier. It's, it blows my mind on how can you how can you tell nine hundred people, hey, drink this and you're gonna kill yourself, and they freaking do it. It's wild, freaking wild. And then and then and that's crazy. A lot of people wanted to leave Jonestown, but were stopped. Um, part of the reason why people willingly went along with the Jim Jones whims was because they really had no choice but to do it. Uh, Jonestown's compound was very isolated, and as it could, it was very isolated as it could be in the middle of a jungle with no real way to leave safely. So you're like, you're stuck, you know? And, and it was uh, Representatives Leo Ryan was sent by Congress to investigate rumors about Jonestown citizens trying to leave the compound, hearing rumors of people trying to defect from the remote jungle community, Jones began to install serious repercussions for anyone that stepped out of line. Uh, Ryan himself counted 15 people who wanted to defect and brought them along with him uh, to a plane back to America. Jones sent people to ambush him, which ended with a skirmish and left Representative Ryan and several news crew members and one defector dead. A lot of the facts about Jonestown don't fully like add up uh, no matter how you look at them, the official death toll claims to be 900 perished in the massacre, but only 400 bodies were retrieved. 500 bodies were never found, even though they were counted among the dead. So I, I'm imagine keeping up with 900 bodies, and, and that's another thing. Who's to say they were, you know, animals or uh, people within uh, that area? You know, could have drug them off. It's it's an unknown mystery, um, in a sense. Yeah, we counted not over nine hundred, but we only uh, we only retrieved four hundred bodies, you know. And th and that there, you can go back and spot fact check that too. Um, but but I've read it in several different articles that it was over nine hundred, but only like a half of that was even found. Blows my mind. Uh. Going back to the actual camp itself, like I said before, it was like a prison more than anything. One of the facts about Jonestown, most people like to uh, recite that the fact that it was meant to be a, a communist uh, Shangula. <laughs> uh, Jim Jones claimed that it would be a wonderful place to live and and be, and for a short time it was. So it was a good place to live 
and it did start off the way he wanted it to, but uh, I think drug-driven, and he went absolutely inc- insane uh, is what demolished what what all hopes people had, you know, going out to that place. It uh, blows my mind that the the some of the things that people would go to links to just to follow a person. I know he promised a lot of good things, and then the and the people that followed him saw a lot of good things. But I think once he got moved out there to uh, Guyana, is when it all went downhill. Now I know Jim Jones. He was a power stricken. He was all about power. Um, from what I gather, he was bisexual, and he would have sex with men to show dominance. Um, and he would have sex with the women because he felt like they were so beautiful that, you know, him being a, a acclaimed Messiah of God, that it was good for her to have sex with him. He would he would brainwash these women. So so the way I look at it, basically, he he led these people to to anything and everything and they would do anything and everything for him and he abused the hell out of them you know by basically raping them uh having their way with them telling them what to do uh it's wild it's wild at how how much power someone could had at that time and and led so many people to their deaths it blows my freaking mind uh, you know it it's sad knowing that all them children uh, didn't basically they don't they're not alive today and didn't didn't live but you know short lives i couldn't i couldn't imagine holding my kid down and poisoning it for a cause for a cause for what because there's a better life after this no you're crazy you're insane but that pretty much sums up the kind of the kind of what i wanted to hit on the on the on the jim jones and the jonestown thing it goes really in depth on it. On uh, you can go look it up and read it. YouTube some of the stuff that he actually did, and it it, it goes deep. Um, I didn't want to go too deep into it because even reading some of the facts and some of the things, researching it, it kind of pissed me off. Especially when I got to the part about killing the families and stuff. Um, and what and what's so strange is he he was one of the first rainbow family. He had the intermix of races. Like he just started off so good. I think. I think he had a good thing going, and he let the drugs and the power go to his head. I think the ego got the best of him. That little bitch ass couldn't even drink the Kool-Aid like everybody else. He had to shoot himself in the head, which, do as I say, not as I do, I guess. Um, don't join a cult, and don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but anyway, that's it on the on the Jim Jones and Jonestown. I figured I'd hit a little bit on it. I'll move, in, move on to the next... A uh, little subject while I got you. It's about 28 minutes, if not give or take, into this podcast. Uh, I just wanted to touch a little bit on today's generation and and how uh, some some of the things I feel like today's generation is lacking on on life itself. I believe a lot of the a lot of problems that's wrong with today's generation is cell phone, social media, social media being. Uh, the worst one of them all, and of course, uh, the internet at the palm of your hand. Uh, today's generation would rather film a fight than help, if that makes any sense. You see so like this world star shit, 
you you see these TikToks, you see YouTube of people brutally getting beaten and no one's lending a hand. They would rather just pull out their cell phone and record it. That's today's generation. Today's generation is led by if I get a like or a view or a sus- or someone subscribes, it makes me feel more wanted. I'm, I feel more of a person. I have more power. And that kind of goes back to the way I think Jim Jones felt. I felt like his his following was like some of these YouTubers with these big these big numbers of subscribers. They feel like they have such a much so uh, a platform where they have so much of a say so in anything, and people will listen. And it makes me sick. It makes me sick because of of some of the stuff that that is driven from these social media outlets. Now, with that being said, I I am a social networking person i am an influencer i do a lot with social media but i feel like i'm on the good side of social media i don't i don't want a devil on the side of of using social media to harm somebody or uh ruin someone's life i i do this for fun and enjoyment i have a facebook page dedicated to my influencing my podcast my YouTube, it's all passion projects. I love it. I like it because of the social networking. I like it because I can get in touch with other people that have the same interests as me or I can learn about somebody that I'm not interested in and they can kind of teach me their uh, their outlooks on life. That That's what I use social media for. But today's generation doesn't do that. Today's generation, it uses social media to hurt people. Now, not all, not all part of the generation, not all this generation, but a lot of this generation would rather sit inside and play video games and play on their phone all day than they would to go outside and play, to fall off a bike, to skin their knee, to uh, play sports, or anything like that. Kind of, kind of like what I did when I grew up. Uh, I was, I was upset when I had to go inside to eat, lunch, dinner. Because that means I had to go inside. I had to do stop what I was doing outside to go inside. I remember as a kid, that used to piss me off. I used to try my best to get out of eating. True story. I used to ride my bike all over town. I used to have fun. Uh, I would play that whole expression, play until the streetlights come on. That was a thing. That was real. And that's what I was told. Hey, when the streetlights come on, your ass better be at this door in this house. Yes, ma'am, but anything after that or before that was fair game. And then that's how I grew up. I didn't grow up glued to a television. I didn't grow up glued to a cell phone. I didn't, like if I had a problem with somebody at school or or someone talking shit about me, I confronted them. I didn't blast them on social media. I didn't call them out on social media. And I didn't record fights. I either helped if it was something crazy. If it was one of my buddies, I'm joining. I'm not going to pull my phone out. You know, a lot of them things is, a lot of that has driven this generation into it being soft. Uh, being in the Army, I see, uh, I work in operations, and I see a lot of, I see a lot of uh, the new generation coming through, and they're coddled. You know, all these kids having uh, all these medical issues because they were coddled. You know, fractures in their hips. You know, in, like change in their environment as far as their mental state because they go from 
being under mommy and daddy's titty to real life and they can't handle the change. And that's sad. I was I was happy to leave the house at 18. I was ready. I was like, get me out of here. Love my mom. Love my stepdad. But I need to flourish and spread my wings. That was my outlook. And and that's that's the difference in the generations. And it's always going to change. I'm sure someone was bitching about the generation 20 years ago. You know. Uh, but But I feel like social media and a lot of other negative outlets. Uh, a lot of the social media uh, outlets are being abused and taken the wrong way. Facebook, Facebook will ru- will ruin marriages, remove you know ruin relationships, but also Facebook it will join relationships and <laughs> there's also marriages uh, out of Facebook. You know I met the love of my life on a Facebook page, or I'm gonna blast my dirty laundry. My dirty cheating husband or wife, I'm gonna blast all the text messages. I'm gonna let people see this, and I see those, and I just cringe. Like I'm like, be an adult, keep your dirty laundry to yourself, respect that person that just broke your heart, because you never know what's gonna be the outcome. But you know, once that bullet is fired, it's hard to retract and hard to to build and uh, recover from especially over social media. People screenshot that shit, and social media doesn't forget. So that's my two cents on the generation. I could go all day on this. I just wanted kind of to bring the light on uh, social media and generation, I guess. I'm, I like to use mine as a positive, so y'all can hear my sweet voice give you eargasms. <laughs> but that's it. That's all I have. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm going to try to post a a podcast every Monday night. I got a video, a promo video when we drop in. It's going to give you all the outlets that I'm on. I believe it's uh, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. So you can look me up on there. Just, just type in Audi-Marsh 5 to 1 podcast channel. You'll see my my Audie Marsh Productions uh, symbol, or you'll see five to one the podcast auditor. <laughs> but that's all I have. Thank you for joining. Thank you for tuning in. I really hope you like this content, and I will be announcing my next episode probably eh, throughout the week. I don't know what I'm going to do it on yet. I ha- I had planned. I had a special guest that was supposed to be coming on, but he's uh, busy. He's a busy person, so I'm going to see what I can do. If not, then you're just going to hear me do another solo cast. That's all I have. Thank you for tuning in. I am Audie. This is 5 to 1 Podcast, and I'm out. The world, the kingdom, stuff with violence, and the violence shall take it by force. If we can't live in peace, then let's die in peace. We're all ready to go. If you tell us we have to give our lives now, we're ready. I'm pretty sure all the rest of the brothers are with me. Only at first. Living, you're looking at death. It only looks, living is much, much more difficult. Raising up every morning and not knowing what's going to be the nice bringing. It's much more difficult. It's much more difficult.